0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your host, Al Gorsuch.
1: And Ron DeFantis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ron. Welcome to uh, Too Smart, Too Curious. Welcome back. Yes, and happy first day of fall. Uh, Oh! And, you
1: know, the leaves are changing. There's a change in the air. It's getting crisper. You know, morning walks are getting... more chilly. Things are changing.
0: The beaches and on Martha's Vineyard are just you know they're chock full of you know <laughs> asylum seekers. That's
1: that's a normal you know change of color up here in New England, especially if the brown kind.
0: Yeah, the, the the colors are changing in in Martha's Vineyard from white to uh, brown or tan. Many shades. Many shades. Whatever <laughs> Venezuela has to offer. Ron DeSantis is the one to thank. I just Martha's Martha's Vineyard Martha's Vineyarders. I just honestly watching that whole thing play out, I um, I couldn't help but think of the, uh, you know, the scene in Jaws,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they're all like gathered in the town hall trying yeah, to figure meeting. out what to do yeah, with the, to shark. Do the shark. <laughs> I just like couldn't help but think <laughs> about that town meeting. Just in was like. Come on, there's got to be a wily old fisherman in the back of the room that just, like, camera pans to, and he's like, You know what you got to do about the, <laughs> the immigrants I'll tell you what to do about the immigrants. He's just mumbling. No one yeah. can figure out what the fuck he's saying. Look, i got a schooner that's 20 feet long, 10 yeah. feet wide. We're going to need a bigger boat if yeah. you're going <laughs> to take those immigrants back to Cape Cod.
1: <laughs> It'll cost you 10 grand for me to take them on the boat, another 10 for me to... You know, move him offshore. And just <laughs> yeah. like it's like,
0: otherwise he'll be living on welfare the whole winter. All your all your money will be going to Venezuelan or cyber seekers. Think about it. You don't want this to happen over the winter. It's like it's like we joke about it, and at the same time, I know there wasn't a wily old fisherman, or maybe there was, but like that meeting did happen on Martha's Vineyard. Like the sheriff and the town officials got together. and Like, all right, what the fuck do we <laughs> do, do about this?
1: It's I mean do they even did they actually know that they were coming? Did they just, was there just a chartered flight that brought them there from
0: Texas? No, it was just a chartered flight that was, um, I think uh, like falsely, I don't know, advertised mm-hmm. basically being like, this is something else and then like these 50 immigrants showed up and I don't know. Uh, I could I could fucking rant about this for hours, so we're going to contain it, <laughs> but, like, that was just wildly stupid for, like, a dozen reasons that we're going to get into some of them. One, okay, reason number one, um, the, the, why Martha's Vineyard? I have no problem with immigrants going to Martha's Vineyard, but why Martha's Vineyard? I'll tell you why. The one reason Barack Obama has a house there. That's the only reason it was chosen. They're they're hiding mm-hmm. behind this like well Martha's mm-hmm. Beard voted for Biden thing. Mm-hmm. No. Barack Obama has a house there and so they they associate um Martha's Vineyard with Barack Obama and Democrats. That's it. They just all go to Alan, Alan Dershowitz's house. Like, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, and it, it the, well, well, the island. Know. The island has voted blue historically. It is a liberal enclave, quote unquote. But like, it's just a strange association for them to send them to Martha's Vineyard. One, two, or two. Okay, if you are really a conservative who cares about conserving fucking resources or whatever, sending them to Martha's Vineyard is actually a really inconvenient place to send them because there's no services in Martha's Vineyard, especially in the winter, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing there. And And then once The off-season Martha's Vineyard is not a paradise? No, it's a fucking resort island. There's nothing there after Labor Day, right? So, sure, okay, you're making a political point. You send them to Martha's Vineyard. I get it. Um, I think it's fucked up, but I, I get the point you're trying to make there, but actually what you're doing is just creating inconvenience for these immigrants who are then going to need to go back to the mainland to get any fucking services, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to be a wealthy person to live on Martha's Vineyard because anytime you need to do anything, you need to take a fucking ferry ride to Hyannis or Falmouth, which costs like $60, right? Right. Also, sending people who have very little money and nowhere to live to Martha's Vineyard, where there are, I think there are like nine homeless beds on the whole island, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is just cruel. And there's no, there's, there's no cheap places to just grab a bite to eat. There's no fucking McDonald's with a dollar menu. The grocery stores, the prices are hiked up because it's all on an island. Like, this was just blatantly cruel. I would have so much, I mean, I, I think, philosophically, this is problematic. But if they flew them to, I don't know, Washington, DC or Boston, I'd be like, huh, it's fucked up. But actually there are things and there are services to help those people there. Mm -hmm. Sending them to Martha's Vineyard as a political stunt, just because Barack Obama has a house there and the Kennedys are associated with it. So Mm -hmm. it's Democrat land. Yeah. It's just mean. It's just cruel. It's just inconveniencing these poor people. Um, and my final reason why this was stupid is all these liberal elites that you're trying to fuck with, guess what? They're fucking left. They're not there. They don't care. Right? The people who are staying on Martha's Vineyard year-round, there's a lot of wealthy people who are probably staying through the fall. But a lot of the people who live there year-round are working-class people, mm-hmm. right, who just have a job on Martha's Vineyard. And they're trying to make ends meet and stay on Martha's Vineyard, right? So you're... You're not fucking with liberal elites. They're already back in D.C. or New York or Boston, and they're like, "Huh, that's fucked up." Well, you know, I don't get the Vineyard Times up to my house up here, so <laughs> they're not they're not paying attention to this. And um, also, Ron DeSantis is never going to win shit because he sounds like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you for letting me do that. Yeah, no, um, I would largely
1: agree with that. I'd be, I'm, I'm actually. Hopeful to see what happens with the court challenges in terms of whether or not they were misled as to where they were going, um, what services they would be provided uh, with to at uh, whatever destination they were supposedly going. He said they signed waivers. Is this actually informed consent, though? Did they actually you know know what they were signing? It's like it's a, it's a it's a very weird political stunt that seems like it has a lot of potential to backfire. I don't. I feel like it's very risky. Like, like there's a lot that he could lose here based on trying to own the lists in Martha's vine- Vineyard, playing a '90s you know Coulter Wars playbook where they still think the only people who drink lattes are you know fucking you know rich Democrats. Everyone likes lattes. Lattes are fun. <laughs> Everyone eats latte or drinks lattes rather. Um, so he's probably going to be, you know, gummed up in court for whatever the hell he tried to engineer flying them to Martha's Vineyard. If his entire shtick was, I'm just trying to get them places they want to go, I guess he could could have actually sent them places they wanted to go. And I also don't know if that's a yeah, crazy job. idea.
0: Crazy idea. I don't know. If you wanted to send them places they wanted to go instead of presuming that they wanted to go to Martha's Vineyard, a place where there's no jobs in the fucking winter... Um maybe you could have asked them where they wanted to go if you if you were really trying to do there's that.
1: There's not There's some, if I remember from a NPR story I was listening to some of them were leaving Massachusetts to go I guess not here. So I don't think some of them were planning on staying in Massachusetts or Boston or
0: Martha's Vineyard. They probably were duped by someone. You know, they were told that there was going to be cash benefits housing, and jobs if they went on this. Oh, that And they weren't told where, where they were going. NPR actually had an interesting article about how this will... Um, this tactic was actually used um, by anti-segregationist Southerners mm-hmm. after school segregation. They would trick um, African-American and Blacks in the South to take a bus to meet President Kennedy in Hyannis. And... Um, A lot of people wanted to meet the president, Mm -hmm. and so they would trick them to get on a bus, and then the bus would drop them off in Hyannis with no ride back and no President Kennedy. What the fuck? I mean, so this is a dirty old trick Mm -hmm. that you know the Republicans have brought back. What's What's sad is you know I'm happy to have immigrants in this state, Mm -hmm. Um, but. I think, and actually I think these 50 immigrants have had a lot of attention on them and they will probably be treated well and get what they need. Mm-hmm. But, um, I do think it's sad that, you know, the tactic was to like, there was no thought about how this may impact the people on that plane mm-hmm. by DeSantis. It was like, yeah, yeah this it was, will very, be fucking, it was very, cruel. It was very cruel. And, um, and also gets, you know,
1: you know, pull back and look at his own prospects with his own state. How him and both Trump probably did well with Cuban uh, you know, voters, Venezuelan voters, Colombian voters, who tended to vote conservative because of the countries they came from. I actually want to and,
0: put him in this, because
1: at some and, point I want to get into this. And there's two things that could happen. Do they actually see Maduro, who is the president of venezuela as a corrupt communist dictator or do they see the country more or less suffering from sanctions by the u.s and you know having a very oil-centric economy for being you know the downfall for you know how things are going there and you would think that it would be natural for the santos or you know republicans who like to lean into you know anti-Marxism, anti-communism, anti-socialism stuff that they could open up their states to, you know, refugees, asylum seekers from countries that are under the yoke of communist dictatorship, quote-unquote. And he's not taking the bait on that. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why. I can see why in the sense that Florida has a housing issue and it might be hard to put them somewhere and it might invite more people in, but it still seems like a net positive. Eventually the housing stuff will be figured out. um, But it seems like a a weird departure from gains that Republicans were capitalizing on in 2018 and 2020.
0: Well, actually, you know, for the Democrats' sake, I do think stunts like this, just that they're happening, there's um, probably a good sign that the Republicans are feeling pretty worried about the upcoming midterms mm-hmm. and maybe not as confident as I, I would have thought they would have been you know, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, you know, anytime the Republicans bring back immigration issues or immigration stunts or immigration bullshit, a.k.a. the caravan or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Um, They I I find that 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 is a little bit of a tell where they're like, uh, we have nothing else. Like, we're we're losing, so let's just go back to this, like, core issue that, like, we get our, like, MAGA base riled up about. Mm Um, you know, like the caravan that never came and in, what was that 2018 right where Trump was railing about there's a caravan coming and they're going to take over everything they're going to take over they're going to run us over and then they never showed up well I'm trying to figure out where the
1: caravan was stopped though I don't know if it was stopped in a country or not
0: What we'll, revi- we'll have to do an immigration episode <laughs> we should do an immigration episode because and when I was saying I want to put a pin in it I do I would like to talk to someone who is like a first or second generation um, Latino or Hispanic um, immigrant mm-hmm. who um, is a Trump supporter. And I'd mm-hmm. sort of like to understand what their thinking is behind that and, you know, how they reconcile some of the cruelty being done to immigrants coming to this country or asylum seekers coming to this country. <laughs> but we'll have to, I guess, come back to that. Um I mean, anyway, it's just a, a, a you know, in conclusion, I, I think this this was sort of an act of desperation by DeSantis. Like, I think... Yeah, I don't get it. I, like, again, I think he has more to lose here than to gain. Yeah. I don't think it was strategically uh, wise. Uh, I think, actually, Biden's kind of been on a little bit of a run lately, like... Yeah,
1: like, why didn't just why didn't, why didn't stick with, the, you know, the Abbott, you know, just like, I mean... Just provide, hey, here's money for bus tickets. Go wherever. I don't think Governor Abbott in Texas engineered and manufactured these types of, um, I don't know, you know, rides to other states. I think they, Texas just gives people some money and says, here's a bus station. Figure it out. But that feels, this is that like, weird. I'm going to pay for people in a different state to fly to a different, like, it's it's not that it's not a, again it's weird because it's not a state government's job to um, do that in some sense it crosses weird
0: legal lines that the federal government is responsible for and logically it's just strange like you know it's like okay so these people from texas you flew them to florida then you flew them to martha's vineyard oh was it florida then to martha's vineyard yeah they flew them from texas to florida then to martha's (laughs) vineyard right which is like these conservatives who are you know so worried about resources of government it's like well this seems like a waste of resources i kind of understand the bus voucher thing it's like we feel like we don't have the infrastructure or jobs to support yeah. this many immigrants coming but, in but and
1: also i mean asylum seekers are entitled to work and they, like they're not given a stipend by the federal government or anything i mean states are more than free to you know give them housing and other uh, benefits while they're waiting for their uh, claims to be processed so they're free to you know work and everything so why not give them you know bus tickets or vouchers or something be like Go where you either know people or where you think you can find work and ideally something works out. Like it, it doesn't make sense to keep people all on the border for something up to a year. Yeah, that, that that like it's a tight it's a tight economy, it's a tight labor market. There are people looking for uh you know workers.
0: So The bus voucher thing it actually seems like a feels feels completely different to me. It's like, here's a bus voucher, go somewhere else. Yeah, you're not you're not um
1: you know, pressuring anyone, or you you can't be credibly accused of, you know, what there's a lot of words that are thrown out there kidnapping, trafficking, um, you know, a lot of different metaphors. Or, um,
0: well, a best voucher you know, is not inherently cruel. Oh, tricking someone is yes, cruel. That's what I mean. Like, it, it's, it's, it is, you're giving.
1: You cannot, you cannot use the decided, bus voucher. You can be like, yeah. sweet,
0: I just won't do that. You're not signing anything. You're, You're just like, oh, okay,
1: this is a bus voucher. I can use this for Peter Pan or Greyhound or whatever. And then I can go to these cities and, you know, get connecting bus routes.
0: Yeah. It feels just ethically very different. But, um, well, anyways, I needed to get that rant off my chest because the whole thing pissed me off. And I wish those uh, those immigrants who came through Martha's Union the best. And if any of them is interested to being on our <laughs> podcast and sharing this, their story about it, um, I I know we have some listeners on Cape Cod. So, you know, if this circulates down on Cape Cod, we'd ha- be happy to talk to them about that. We could um, keep their identity secret or their name secret, but we'd just like to hear a little bit about their story.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll be more than happy to provide them with a, you know, gnome to plume that, you know, the ones that we come up with, like, an alias every single time we have an episode. Exactly. It'll be very creative. at the same time... It won't be Rhonda Fantas.
0: <laughs> and at the same time, um, I'm guessing uh, any of those people on those planes are like, I'm not believing anything anyone says for, like, at least a month in this fucking country. Yeah, that's sad. think about that. <laughs> a lot of trust issues. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, okay, fuck you. Last time I agreed to do anything for... For 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 white dudes, um, they tricked me to go on a plane and send me to Martha's Vineyard, and then I was on the news. So thanks for that. <laughs> I didn't sign for any of this.
1: For you did. That, I was like, I didn't.
0: I know, especially well, and and we can move on from this in a second. But especially when DeSantis, who sounds like a nerd, um, was talking about how they signed waivers to do this, it was like, dude. Do you know how many fucking consents we all sign on a weekly basis that I don't read one fucking word of? Like the like yeah, it's like that amount like there's been updated terms of service,
1: and you just you just click okay or you scroll to the bottom of the page and you just want to get it over with. What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. Apparently there's, there's. I mean,
0: I'm sure there's a lot of bad things that can happen, but in that type of situation, the stakes are definitely raised. It's like, don't don't, don't hold that over these people's heads who just arrived in this country as asylum seekers and mm-hmm. like, well, they agreed to terms of service. It's like, fuck you, dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, technically, I'm right. It's like, technically, you're <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. Technically, <laughs> you're an asshole and
0: sound like a nerd. <laughs> you want to be Trump in a suit. No, but Trump has swag and DeSantis... DeSantis will never win. I'm calling it now. Two
1: <laughs> there, 30. there are pictures of DeSantis on Twitter. I can't take it I can't tell if there's like a, you know, uh opportunistic outtake or not, but he was just doing this Trump Trumpian stance where he's like chest is sort of puffed out and his hands are, or his arms are just, you know, maybe like a a foot, maybe eight inches away from his like waist, and he's just like he's slightly yes. leaning forward. Yeah, he's just like, what is happening here? It's like is he just trying to imitate Trump? Like he's just trying to, you, you know, just connect with those those small mannerisms and hopes that people will just magically support him because they they, they kept something. And it's like, oh, that's very familiar. It's like a manly scent, and you know, I'm just turned on by this guy's just this charm.
0: He's a true conservative. How to vote for him? I don't actually think I ever heard him... Well, I'm sure I've heard him talk, but it didn't resonate until this current issue where I've watched him on video more than I think I ever have. And um, I was trying to come up with an impression for him. And it ironically just sounds exactly like my Hillary Clinton impression in a weird (laughs) way, where it's just like, we sent the immigrants to Martha's Vineyard and... They they should be so happy that they went there. Vote for me, like which both I I recognize. That's both a bad impression of Hillary Clinton and <laughs> a bad impression of Ron DeSantis. But like they kind of sound the same. You know, he's the high voice. The immigrants wanted to go. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has got like a sing song-y thing, and he's kind of got like a lispy thing. I don't know.
2: Anyways.
1: just want to remind, you know, our listeners that there is a war in Europe. No, it's not the one you're thinking of. It's not Ukraine and Russia. It is a place that you're too afraid to pronounce and you don't want to look dumb in front of your friends and family. It's a place called Armenia. Not Armenia proper, but yes, Armenia proper. Basically, there's a war between Armenia and Azerbaijan, partially over a place called Nagorno-Karabakh.
0: And I know Armenia. I know of it. Oh, the Kardashians are from Armenia. They
1: are from some weird place in north, like northeastern Turkey. They're like her, her dad's family is like from some
0: strange. Christian no, 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 no. OJ's lawyer was Armenian. I remember. That's why he won. I remember Armenian's great. Lawyers. I remember OJ's lawyer was Armenian. <laughs> And that's why we've been cursed ever since. <laughs> Anyways, th- but this is an important issue, and it's not getting a lot of play um, in American media, certainly. Um, I don't think there's a lot of American focus on it. But what is happening right now in Armenia and Azerbaijan?
1: So, I would just say there is some attention given to the to the topic amongst the mainstream News outlets—you'll see the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, AP—but they do their, what they do their, they do facts wrong. They don't understand where the conflict is. You'll see new conflict erupts in Nagorno-Karabakh between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Well, that's not really what happened. That's Azerbaijan invaded Armenian sovereign territory. Not it's, you know.
0: Um, Are you saying the New York Times is fake news? It is fake news. <laughs> it is actually actively spreading misinformation mm. by just um, running false headlines. And
1: specifically how? Uh, because Azerbaijan was bombing towns and cities in Armenia proper and has forces inside the country's sovereign borders, not in a territory that's disputed since 19, what, 80, 1988 or 91, whenever the war started. So people get confused because that's what the war in 2020 was largely about. But now Azerbaijan is inside the country bombing shit. And that's a little different than saying we're reclaiming our uh, our previously occupied territories when you just go into a different country and be like, what's up? We
0: want to fucking destroy your shit because we're actually bad people. You're saying a lot of important things, but I think we... 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 I think I and our audience need an introduction to the current conflict, where we're at, what's happening now. Sure.
1: So current conflict is uh, when at the end of World War I, obviously there were a few changes to how countries and empires uh, would be going forward. Ottoman Empire fell apart. Russian Empire fell apart during the, um, the Bolshevik Re- Revolution. Persian Empire was being, you know, kind of gutted by the British, so Armenia and Azerbaijan, which are in the South Caucasus, and basically at that, you know, that, that point of contact, if you will, between all three of these empires, had more or less a, a free-for-all. They had an opportunity, you know, in a world where nation-states were, you know, forming where they hadn't before— Um, they saw an opportunity, you know, you know, make, make a world for themselves, make a name for themselves, finally get the, get something that, you know, they could call their own. They didn't have to be a vassal of somebody. They didn't have Mm -hmm. to be, um, you know, uh, just a tributary or, or, or whatever you want to call it by tributary, I mean like a tribute, you know, uh, giving territory. Um, they, they could be their own state. They could, you know, uh, speak their own language. They didn't have to speak the language of a of a, you know a ruling empire. and yeah, imperialism. Exactly. I mean, it was kind of trying to throw off the yoke of imperialism. It, it was in a, in a in a big way the death of you know old school empire. And these three countries, I mean, Armenia and Georgia are pretty old. Armenia being very old itself. Georgia still has a, you know core national identity. Azerbaijan. Not so much. Azerbaijan was one of those countries that grew out of uh I don't know what you want to call it, like a pan-Turkic, you know, expansion, um, you know, from the Mongols onward, uh Timur the Lame, Genghis Khan, all that. There was no real, you know, strong imperial core to their empire. It wasn't like Rome. Like Rome left a mark and yeah, obviously, countries that used to be in this territory changed. But, I mean, this was a pretty loose confederation. So they kind of, they could kind of develop on their own. And where Azerbaijan was, was in between Russia and the Persian Empire. So after World War One, you know, people want to make their own shit, you know, happen. Well, guess what? There's a bigger country. It's called the USSR. And it's just going to roll in because, again, this is after World War One. Everyone's like capacity to actually make warfare is pretty much drawn out. People are tired. There's disease. Um, infrastructure is destroyed. There's almost no stomach to keep fighting. So the, the the Bolsheviks or the Reds, whatever you want to call them, found it pretty easy to come come out of this revolutionary fervor just. Come, come into the South Caucasus and establishes the uh, USSR. And in doing so, it divvied up territories that would, you know, going on until 91, 92, whenever the USSR uh, dissolved, would, would stay put. So it gave territory on the other side of Armenia to Azerbaijan, they created an autonomous area for Armenians within Azerbaijan on the other side, and there are a few other places, I mean, there are in, uh, you know, other places in the USSR that were just strange little autonomous pockets. So, in what year was this? This would be like 1921.
0: Okay. So, this wasn't quite the Soviets? I mean, they are more or less Soviets at this point. Soviets at this point. Okay. So...
1: They really not the Soviets you think of. I mean, the Soviets right. we think of we think of Stalin. This was
0: like when Lenin was still around. Yeah, okay. yeah, and Lenin fucked it up. Well, I mean, they were going to give, but this region was was majorly carved up by Russian Federation, Russian Soviets. Yeah, in the early mm, early 1900s, early 1920s, and that and that leads to how do we how do we get to where we are today, where there is an active conflict.
1: Sure. So we arrive at this point because they never actually resolved the issues that you know were stoking the uh, the urge to either swap territories or exchange populations. <laughs> Armenians felt like they were not given. Um, what does exchanging populations mean? I would imagine that like no, it's like literally just like. We'll give you this if you give us this. Like, would Armenia have been open to uh, taking Noctevan on the other side of Armenia that Azerbaijan was not touching if Armenia gave up its claim to Nagorno-Karabakh, which was the autonomous area within Azerbaijan? Again, and, and, there, and, and because it was a Soviet state, you could get to these places. It wasn't like there were separate countries in a radical sense. It's not like there was a visa... Like a like a visa regime that prevented people from traveling. I mean, there was a lot of freedom of movement issues within the Soviet Union, but you could get there. It wasn't the borders were not
0: but as under, hard as you think. Under the Soviets, there was an element of horse trading between the regions.
1: Yeah, I and mean, and well, part of it was they wanted to tamp down nationalism. They didn't want too many um, of one people in one area because it would threaten the you know the. The core element of the, the communist state, which would be, you know, this is a worker state. We're not trying to, you know, play politics with certain populations, and we don't want to have to, you know, you know, deal with that. So, so if, if people saying, get too when, ready, when, you're,
0: when you're saying exchanging populations, are you talking about like physically moving the people? Yes. Wow. Oh wait,
1: this place is too much up to Armenian. I mean, that's what happened in Nagorno Karabakh. It used to be like ninety something percent Armenian, ends up being like seventy something percent Armenian by the <laughs> end of the nineteen
0: uh, eighties. I mean, uh, Nagajavan. The um, reason the reason I'm, I'm, I'm harping on this is because like I, I kind of feel like it reflects a little bit back to our early conversation about DeSantis, where there's like there's got to be some sense on the southern border where it's like this area is is becoming too Hispanic. Move these people somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? It's not a one-to-one, but it just, you know, kind of resonated with me. Mm-hmm. But anyways.
1: Like Nakajivan? Mm-hmm. Nakajivan used to... So, <clears throat> this is... If you look at a map of Armenia, you'll notice on the southwestern portion, there's a place called Nakajivan. And probably in parentheses, there's an AZ, which, said, which means it's part of Azerbaijan. But How? It's on the other side of Armenia. Mm-hmm. But this place used to be very Armenian. In the 1600s, Shah Abbas of Persia depopulated this entire area. because he heard, Armenians were really good merchants. Mm-hmm. So this place, which used to be a majority Armenian, was basically just deported to Iran. And, of course, other populations moved in. So, this area that Azeris claim as their own, as natively Azeri, it's, again, it's not, you know, by natural organic growth that this was Azeri. This They didn't just pop out the ground. There is obviously other movements at hand. There is mm-hmm. other, you know, things happening in the back room. Um, and that's what happened a lot during, you know, 1600s onwards. Like, Russians came in move people to another territory. Um, maybe Russians moved in. Azeris got scared that they were going to get killed. They move somewhere else. Armenians moved in. Um, Persians come in. Maybe Armenians freak out. They don't want to be deported again or they want to be uh, under Muslim rule, So they f- freak out. They move somewhere else. So, like, so, this, so Armenians have always been the area. Azeris have been moving around for maybe the last couple hundred years. Okay, so they've been an element. They're, they're not, I don't love to play up that indigeneity part, that's very popular with younger people when we talk about indigenous rights and um, you know, empire and you know, uh, colonization, you know, settler states, things like that. Obviously, you know, someone's going to replace someone at some point, um, so I would never. Said, you know, Azari should not live in the area, but their entire, the state's entire, um, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call it, motivating factor to exist is based on like a false history. Like you can go on their Department of Defense website and they talk about the the capital of Arnia is, has always been Azari, ancient Azari clans, but they've only been here you know just Turks themselves have only been here like a thousand years, but this is the, the motivating animating factor for their entire foreign policy. Their their internal politics are governed by this just by grievance and entitlement to land that actually you know wasn't theirs first, but they teach their children themselves this,
0: and you know it plays into what their cur- so the this current prediction is. This. But there is a current group of Azerbaijani is Azeris that that subscribe to this ideology. Yeah, yeah. How did that happen?
1: Um, You see, it seemed to grow in uh, earnest in like the 1950s. There's like a a, 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 there's a historian. I forget his name now, but basically, just search Azeri historian. Um, You know, Azeri indigenous
0: South Caucasus. So they, they had some sort of nationalistic movement. Yes. Um, well, to create I mean, a, well, a more... Um, well, again... a more integrated Azeri identity.
1: Yes. And, again, not to, you know, harp on this, they're a country, but they're a constructed identity. And that's fine. Everyone's a constructed identity. At some, some point. So at some point, somewhere down the line, you are a constructed identity. Hey, even... Hard identity, even like hard countries, like what is a Frenchman? What is a Russian? What is it, like you can right? You there, can, there's always you know limits to what.
0: in-group, If you go it to the degree, are, you can break it down. Yeah, in fact, you can probably break down what's a Frenchman easier than you could maybe break down what's an Armenian in terms of longevity of of the nation, mm-hmm. right? Or the longevity of of there being a group of people that's like this is what I am, mm-hmm. right? Like Armenia is older than France, yeah. Right. No, no, no! Like it is, but it's not like a lot of European nations
1: are. They're just a conglomeration of you know, f- like former provinces that spoke their own languages. They weren't like like what Italy and Germany are, used to be just a bunch of city states until the late eighteen hundreds. People yeah. think that these are ancient European cultures, and they're just like, no, I fucking hate the Brandenburgians. Like what?
0: The- <laughs> what? What is the motivating factor? For Azerbaijan in, in the current conflict, which I, I, from what I read in American media, there's conflicting reports on who has actually started the most recent conflict. I guess there has been that um, I don't know the best way to phrase it, but back and forth between the two countries since 1994. More recently, there's been more escalation since 2020. So, they're calling this, I think, vaguely on Wikipedia and on the internet, the 2020 war.
1: I think that's like a very dumb
0: take. Just the idea that people would question
1: whether or not Armenia uh, instigated this. Let's go back to the 2020 war. That was a 44 day war. Um, you know, for, since the 1950s and 60s onward, there's been that Armenian majority there. They've been putting you know together um, you know requests to have this section of the country u- r- unite with Armenian SSR, so this Armenian Socialist so- Soviet Republic or Soviet Socialist Republic. Um, and they were denied by the Supreme Soviet, which is the um, chief legislative body in the USSR. Uh, and they just kept being denied. And we had to say these grievances just start getting pent up. Basically, ethnic Armenians in Azerbaijan did not feel like they were respected. They felt like they were discriminated against. They weren't getting the services that, you know, know, Azerbaijanis were getting. So even if they were equals under the law, under the Soviet Constitution, they weren't feeling like that was the case. Um, Gorbachev you know, shows up in the 80s, perestroika, glasnost. They're opening up the country. This is kind of le- leading countries to, um, or Soviet socialist republics, to get a little looser with their media. Um, there's a little more nationalist you know, fervor, if you will. You know, countries are feeling themselves or not. I mean, again, I feel like everyone knows the USSR is kind of on its last legs, even though if I think people were a little surprised that it collapsed. But I think, you know, people in their respective countries felt something in the air. So Armenians in this area were very earnest in their um, desire to either declare independence from Azerbaijan or join formally with Armenia. And this is still within the Soviet system. They went by the book. The Supreme Soviet, you know, shoots it down. It was a was it? It was like 90 something to whatever, yes, yes versus no to join Armenia. Of course, the Azeris didn't vote, but it doesn't really matter because it it's like an 80 20, you know, ratio there. So Armenians were always gonna win. Um, so this is 88, you know, things start getting rough. In Baku, Sungait, which is a, a city in Azerbaijan, there's just a lot of ethnic clashes or pogroms. Um, you know, a lot of people are killed or um, um, left homeless. There's This is where like, serious population exchanges start happening. A lot of Armenians who are in Azerbaijan are relatively wealthy and educated start leaving because there is a lot of grievance towards them that you know, the tail end of the USSR, you know, there wasn't that, you know, that industrial, you know, strength and robustness that the Soviet Union was known for, that their quality of life was diminishing. Um, so, Armenians were an easy scapegoat, and, you know, Armenia, Azeris and Armenia started leaving or possibly getting deported. I don't know too much about that. Something I want to read about, but it's hard to get sources. Um so, throughout the late 80s, this is happening. They're just, you know, countries where they both had substi- like significant populations amongst themselves. So, a couple hundred thousand Azeris in Armenia, a um, couple hundred thousand Armenians in Azerbaijan. It's all good. Slowly, it becomes not good. Basically, once Armenians get denied that referendum in Artsakh or Nagorno Karabakh, they basically declared themselves independent this led Azeris to send troops Armenians send troops there's a war and this extends into the collapse of the Soviet Union Um, until 1994 there's a ceasefire and Armenia occupies 16% of Azerbaijan's territory including that independent region and that's basically held up since 2020 or until 2020
0: What happens in 2020?
1: Um, After, you know, getting fat in oil money and buying drones from Israel and Turkey and, you know, retooling their military and investing heavily in whatever new technologies there were, Azerbaijan decided to attack. And within the course of 44 days... They retook all their occupied, previously occupied provinces, and you know, what, a third of the autonomous region that ethnic Armenians were in, and now the rest is, you know, tenuously, you know, held by a ceasefire, where there's still no formal peace treaty, and uh, what, like maybe eight thousand people were killed, and that's pretty significant. Um, Armenia is like a country of less than 3 million people, and it lost 4,000 soldiers. So these are conscripts here. So this is, these are like young men, 18 to 22, 23. And if you do the math, that would be like 447,000 U.S. soldiers dying in 44 days. 44 days. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And that's that's not just a general you know cross section, that's just eighteen through twenty-two. And now another two hundred are dead due to the conflict this past week. And it doesn't really like, show up on people's radar. That's probably one of the most frustrating parts, is mm-hmm. that obviously again no one likes Russia. Um, Putin not a not a fun guy, When you amass, you know, tens of thousands of troops, ten thousands of troops on know, a country's border and then invade, not great. But, I mean, Armenia is ranked higher than Ukraine on every metric of democratization. It has not backslid in any way that other countries have over the the past couple of years.
0: So I think one part that I'm interested in is how does Azerbaijan um, get its population to back such acts?
1: Well, we'll have to do, uh, you know, a little... Hop skipping a jump back to our um, genocide. So there's a little thing called Pan-Turkism slash Pan-Turism, So Turan is this ancient mythological Turkic homeland. So let's say um, Turks, Azeris, um, Uzbeks, Turkmen, uh, Mongols, Cossacks, They're all part of this you know, grand Turkic family, they all share the same beautiful um, history, this this language, this culture that binds them together. That was an animating, um, that was a big impetus for the Armenian genocide um, and Assyrian genocide and Greek genocides that Turkey wanted to clear out, or the Ottoman Empire rather, wanted to clear out, you know, these, these uh, groups within Anatolia that were not Turkic. They want to punch through to, to Azerbaijan and that would connect them with the rest of central Asia. So they could have a pan Turkic, you know, union of some sort. Mm-hmm. So when I say it's constructed, I think yes, Azerbaijan as a, a nation is a constructed identity, but they're also pulling up from this, you know, pan Turkic identity that was developed before or, or really in, during the the genesis of their own country that you know this type of I don't know uh, ideological fuel was you know kind of like a, a tinder kindling that, that always existed so it's not just like no late 1800 1980s like Azerbaijan there's always there's a it's go with
0: uh, yeah, pan yeah, um, Ideologically, those sentiments always existed. Pan-Turkic um, uh,
1: consciousness that you know was always latent, and that still exists. And you, were, I walked in here, and you were listening to a podcast, and I think the uh, the speaker said two nation. Uh, mean, I mean, I feel like for Armenians, it's very you know, at the end of the day, it's very clear that we're the only one who can really save us. And we don't even know if we can do that. Like, it's just a numbers game. That's, a, that's the scary part. Like, we could... The country could be wiped out tomorrow. and People wouldn't... they think make that sad. Does it is You see that happen to so many other countries, too. Mm-hmm. Not every country gets the Ukraine treatment. And even now, it's still getting shit on. But... There are countries all over the place where people are fighting for their independence and their sovereignty and they're not gonna get the support they need because well it's not really possible. Yeah, logistics wise, you
0: can't be everywhere all at once. So it does feel <coughs> Do you feel like that's the only, the only reason? What do you mean? That it's not really possible.
1: I mean in a way, yeah, you can only you can only, only
0: stretch so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think the reason that the West has not been as supportive to Armenia?
1: There's no strategic reason, too. We don't have... It's not worth it. We don't have... We have some precious minerals, but not enough. Oh, we have fucking tech companies moving in. They can move anywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, Oh, old churches. Okay, who cares? Georgia has those. Um economically
0: it's not worth it, is what you're saying.
1: Greatest exporter of potassium in the world.
0: <laughs> is it actually? No. Oh. That's Kazakhstan. <laughs> I, I, I knew I know that is from the Borat uh national anthem. I actually don't know who the biggest exporter is. It actually could be Kazakhstan.
1: I don't I'm it'd be a weird th- you know, fact to make up. Biggest export of potassium. Fun fact, in the end credits of that movie, Ilham Aliyev is, you know, his face is on there. His portraits in the end credits. He's a big dumb mustache and a big dumb fucking long face. Who is? The Azerbaijani president. Ah. Yeah. I not, thought it was funny then. Not, not Kazakhstani. No. I don't know who their president is.
0: <laughs> Some weirdo. All right, well... This has been a robust review. Yeah. I really um, appreciate your your depth, the depth of your knowledge on, on this subject. And, you know, I think we can continue to follow this. And all right. Well, uh, this has been your boy, Al Gorsuch.
1: Ron DeFantis.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no tropes about Italians this time.
1: I mean, Ron, DeS- Ron DeSantis is Italian. So. Is he? Yes. Oh, there we go. All right. I feel like he tricked people into thinking that he's actually Hispanic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he might have. Wow. All right. And from it's- Santa's. Don't get this has been uh, Too Smart, Too Curious. Emphasis on Too Curious tonight.